I just moved to the valley in December from the Midwest, and I thought that was quite a transition. The other day, though, I met Paul Wendland, and he too had just moved here uh, to Victor, actually, and I thought his adjustment was probably a little bit more drastic. So, um, so yeah, I was going to say, how long have you been in the valley so far? You got uh, here... been in the valley since late February. Cool. And so, I was going to say, one of the reasons why I have on here is that I know you've lived in Idaho before, but what was your address right before Victor? I was living in Kabul, Afghanistan. I'm Scott Stunts, and this is Get Out the Podcast from the Teton Valley News. Today, I talked to Paul Wendland on what living in Afghanistan was like and what it's like to move from there to rural Idaho. I talked to Paul in the conference room at Valley Advocates for Responsible Development, where he works. So, here we go. So, one of the things that I have always, like, my first thought about Afghanistan is we kind of know what it looks like, you know, from news coverage and stuff like that. But what was it, what was it like to actually, like, live there? What, what was a... What was almost like a typical day? Like, how did you start your morning in Kabul? Well, I lived in a, basically what is a fortified compound. It was called a hotel, uh, but actually it was a fortified compound with large walls around it, barbed wire, uh, security gates, you know, armed guards on towers, uh, bomb-sniffing dogs. Uh, you know, basically it looks like a prison. So in, in, in effect, it looked like a jail. Uh, instead of holding us in, it was holding people out. Uh, was, and there were a number of these compounds all over Kabul, all over the country. And that's pretty much where expatriates who worked in the country were housed. That used to not be the case. We used to live in normal houses, you know, with some guards and things like that, people taking care of, of logistics and things. But we had a fairly normal existence. But because security has gotten so much worse over the last few years they put us into these kind of camps. I lived there, I worked there. I didn't leave unless I was going out for a meeting or going out to a restaurant, you know, to a dinner or something like that. But that was maybe only once or twice a week. So we lived and worked in these camps. So did you see mostly just other, like, Americans and Europeans? I mean, were you around a lot of Afghans, usually? Uh, yeah, most of the people who were there were, were Afghan. They were local employees, both technical employees that worked on the projects. And these were, you know, people like my staff. I had a staff of 20 Afghans. And they would come in every day to work. And they'd go through the security cordons and they'd come in to work every day. So it was a huge security risk for them because they were exposing themselves working with Americans every time they came to work. Uh, there were only actually only a handful of, of expatriates that were working there anywhere from you know twenty to thirty in a camp of you know maybe four hundred so there weren 't that many long term expatriates living there so you 're saying that you were in that camp unless you went outside of it. Did you get to see much of the rest of the country i 've seen fortunately i 've been really fortunate that i 'm a field person I do mostly field type work. This last year was different in that I was mostly doing administration and managing a huge team, which I had all over the country. But I deliberately took trips out into the provinces to visit my regional staff. So I would travel all over. I went to Kandahar in the south. I went to Herat in the west. I went up to Mazar in the north, Bamiya in central Afghanistan. Um, that's In years past, I would travel even more frequently. Uh, and I've seen something like 13 provinces of Afghanistan on separate trips. So I have gotten out quite a bit, and I was the one who was the most uh, frequently out of, of the camp. 
And I was going to say, what did you do for fun? Uh, mostly I worked out. I played squash. We had a squash court in this camp. We had like good workout facility. I read a lot of books. Uh, that was about it. I even learned to fly fish in the camp. We had a large yard and I would practice fly, fly casting in the yard. So you learned to fly fish in Afghanistan. I learned to fly cast in <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> That was the best way to describe it, fly casting. <laughs> so I was going to say, the reason I brought that up is you went from being in a, like a reverse prison most of the time, and you come to, you know, I can see the, the Tetons out the window. Like, is that one of the reasons why you came here? Is that, I mean, I'm guessing, because you're an outdoor, you do, you're an outdoor type person. Yeah, I love mountain biking, canoeing. Yeah, I'm an outdoor person. I grew up in the outdoors. It's just my consulting career forced me to live and work in these places you know not just afghanistan but iraq and western kenya sri lanka you know west africa southern africa been all over the world in the last 10 years it's really forced me to to work in you know banking in all these different countries but i'm an outdoor person and that's what i love that's why i moved here and i was going to say that's your bike out there were you able to bike ride in afghanistan no, uh, there's actually a, a write-up in one of the bike magazines, I think within the last year, of a woman who was mountain biking in Afghanistan, which is quite something. It's really special. It's spectacular. And there's actually a women's cycling team in Afghanistan. I wasn't able to. They just wouldn't let me go outside. So I would do indoor sports and things like that. I would actually, t I took a number of bike trips last year, uh, both back to Idaho, northern Idaho. Um, I did some biking in the French Alps um, last fall. Uh, and then another trip uh, in kind of the French countryside, road biking last year as well. And not to like reduce the, you know, the good and the bad of it down to, man, I couldn't go outside and exercise, but I'm guessing on top of like, it had to be a stressful job in a stressful place. And I'm guessing not having those outlets probably was a bit of a, I don't know, an adjustment or a pain or. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a huge adjustment for me. I, I, I've been really lucky to, to be able to work from home part of the time, do consulting trips and then come back to Idaho or come back to where I've been based in the U.S. and still do all the things that I want to do. My friends joked in Afghanistan that I was like a caged animal, that it's just really not for my personality, it's not suitable for my personality to be locked up like that. So after about eight to ten weeks, they said, well, you need to go on another trip. You need to go on a vacation. You know, you really need to get out. So what are you looking forward most to being able to do in the valley? Probably mountain biking is such a huge thing for me to live in a place like this with so much access is terrific. Uh, probably learning to downhill ski, which is something new for me since I grew up in the Midwest. Me too. <laughs> so that's huge. And then being able to paddle the Teton River and, and to actually learn to fly fish, not just fly cast, but actually learn to fly fish. Uh, play with my dog, you know, just make friends, just be in an outdoor environment, you know, with like-minded folks. Was being cooped up all that time, did that kind of play into your decision to, you know, to move here? I know the job obviously had to play into it, but was that part of the decision? Oh, for sure. I was definitely looking to move to an outdoor-oriented kind of community. So I was looking at Missoula, Montana. I was looking at Teton Valley, uh, southern, you know, places in southern Idaho, Denver, places that are more, you know, have more access to the outdoors. And obviously, this is not the first time that you've lived in... Idaho. You were living up by, was it Moscow? Uh, yeah, I was living in Moscow, Idaho for uh, three years. I had a house up there. Coming back, there's been a lot of uh, 
transitions and stuff. And I know that you didn't stay in Afghanistan, like you were able to take trips and stuff, but is there been anything in particular about being back in Idaho that's been a big transition for you? Uh, the lack of people is a huge, is a huge thing. You're used to being in these, these crazy Asian cities where there's just so many people, so many cars. That's a big transition. The other thing is the grocery store. I have not been able to handle going into a grocery store with so much selection. I literally don't know what to buy. I literally want to buy the whole store because now I can cook for myself, whereas I couldn't cook before. I had to you know, eat what was available or what have you. So cooking is a big thing for me. So was it like a cafeteria style most of the time you were over there? Most of the time. Or I, I had you know, a small little kitchen where I could cook basically at like a college student, ramen noodles and horrible food. So, you know, you've been here for a while, and I know you've been a lot of different places with your international development work. Was there anything in particular that made you leave Afghanistan? Well, the co my contract was up. I had a 12-month contract, and it was finished. I probably would have extended if they'd offered an extension uh, because it pays really, really well, and I didn't have anything specifically to come back for. Uh, you know, it was just... One of those things where it's, well, your 12-month contract is up, so I decided, okay, well, it's time to go. Plus, the elections were just a couple of days ago, the Afghan elections, and the violence was really ratcheting it up. Uh, in Kabul and across the country, there was an attack on a restaurant where other expatriates were, and you know, it was only a matter of time before they tried to take a swing at where I lived, or you know, I've had friends killed and coworkers killed there before, so it was... It was really a consideration. I think it was said it was just time for me to go. It was time for me to go home. Has it been different not having to worry about that now that you've been back here? Yeah, you know, sometimes it, it, it's very stressful, but somehow over the years I've been able to manage the transition pretty easily. Right? It's just You just take some deep breaths and you go on a bike ride and you just kind of forget about it. I don't forget about the people I work with and I stay in touch with most of a lot of my Afghans and my Afghan staff. But to let go of the stress um, has gotten easier over the years. Well, I think that's all the questions I really had for you. Thanks for uh, taking the time, Paul. I know it was kind of short notice. No, thanks for t thanks for chatting. I'm really it's been I've been, had a very very warm welcome here in the valley, and I'm really looking forward to staying here a long time. Cool. Thanks. Thanks to Paul Wendland for talking to me today. The music on today's show came from PIDX and was used under the Creative Commons license. I'm Scott Stuntz. Thanks for listening.